Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Welcome to The Animal Files. Today, we're going to talk about allergies. And guess what? It's not just humans to animals. It's animals to animals and even animals to humans. So this is going to be an interesting topic, and we're going to have a lot of fun exploring this whole thing, and you may learn something. So get out your notebooks. Let's get started. Animals and allergies. What do the people need to know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that there are so many people out there with pets who feel frustrated in the sense of their animals have an allergy and they don't know how to deal with it. And it's creating challenges for both human and animal. But there's also the other side of it, humans being allergic to animals Mm -hmm. and feeling like they have no way of dealing with that. So they either feel like they either have to put up with it if the allergies are mild enough, or they end up either not getting an animal or giving up an animal. Mm -hmm. Hopefully this show will open up some doors for you and give you some different ways of looking at things, different ways of dealing with things and provide an alternative to some of these challenges. And they can be challenging. I mean, I've heard stories of people having their hearts broken because they had to give up a beloved animal because of an allergy. Mm -hmm. That to me is heartbreaking. I don't know if I could do it. Mm. I'd suffer. I'd be one of those ones that suffer in agony just so I can give an animal a home. (laughs) But, you know, some people, their allergies are so bad, they can't do that. Right. You know, there are different options. Some of them are um, a little more costly. So we've talked in the past about cost when it comes to caring for an animal, that's actually another thing to take into consideration. If you don't know if you have allergies or if you're going to have a child, whether the child is going to have allergies, then consider having the funds to explore some of these other options that could actually help to remedy or at least minimize a lot of these difficulties. Okay. So let's discuss what types of allergies there are and what they look like as far as how they present in both the animal and the human. The different types of allergies that I found out about, a few of them are already known as the food allergies, the environmental allergies, humans being allergic to animals, but animals can also be allergic to other animals. And animals can actually be allergic to humans. Interesting. (laughs) That's actually pretty, I've never heard of that. It's not just us suffering because of the animals. The animals can be suffering because of us. Mm -hmm. That is a provocative thought. (laughs) Actually, thoughts are typically provocative, but you know what I mean? (laughs) 
just gives you pause. Pun intended, pause. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> so what are some of the things that can cause these particular allergic reactions? Typically, it is caused by dander. So according to the Washington State University's College of Veterinary Medicine, cats can be allergic to dogs, dogs can be allergic to cats, and both can be allergic to people. So when I say dander, what that means is that they're tiny cells that are shed from hair, fur, and feathers. And typically, we only think of dander in animals. Well, humans are an animal too, so we also have dander, but we don't really think of us shedding it. <laughs> but I've also heard that there are proteins in the saliva of, say, cats that we humans tend to be allergic to as well. It's not yes. just the fur itself. It's the protein in the saliva. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit more in depth. But one of the things you can do, obviously, is brush and groom your cat. That might help. Um, but, yep. <laughs> but yeah, I heard about I heard about that. Yes. And that's actually pretty interesting. I think that's pretty common, is it not? Yeah, well, because people can definitely have varying kinds of allergies. So they can have the allergies to the actual dander, or they can have the allergies to the saliva, or even both. Mm, so okay. definitely grooming and brushing on a regular basis is going to help because that's going to minimize it being in the environment, on the furniture. You're still going to probably have to, especially with cats, you're still going to have to deal with it on their fur quite a bit because they do groom themselves on a pretty regular basis. So it's like, unless yeah. you want to be grooming and brushing them every 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true. But if you start young, maybe you can bathe your cat once every couple of weeks that would help. Mm. I think it's a, one of the myths is shaving your cat to eliminate the allergen. I don't think that actually is a thing. That's not going to help because it's also from the skin as well. So yeah. you're not going to get rid of their skin. So they're going to still shed, but if it's from their saliva, they could be completely hairless, but they'll still do their grooming and licking themselves. So they're still going to have that mm -hmm. dried saliva that ends up on their body. Yeah. And even hairless cats have a peach fuzz. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just, it's a misnomer and it might just be a placebo. People thinking that if I shave my cat, I'm going to have less allergies. And I think it's a mental thing. And we'll yeah. get to that later on in the show yeah. about mindset and placebo effects mm -hmm. on both for and against. Well, and there's also this other idea of hypoallergenic animals. I'm not sure exactly what it is about them that's supposed to be different from the other animals. I have heard that some dogs have fur and some of them actually have hair, but in my mind that would, they would still both create dander. Mm -hmm. I have read that there is no real thing as hypoallergenic animals. Yeah. I think it's just like a minimized allergen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what are the different symptoms that can present, let's say in dogs and cats? There's actually a lot of similarities, but in dogs, the most common symptom is skin inflammation and itching. 
So you'll often see raw patches or bald spots on their body and maybe even scabs and stuff, depending on the severity, how often they're scratching or licking at themselves. Of course, they've got the sneezing and the runny nose, which is pretty typical in human allergies. You know, I know with humans, they can often have itchy eyes or itchy nose or irritation and sort of like maybe a burning sensation. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny because technically I was diagnosed as having an allergy to animals. Really? Yeah. And growing up, I had asthma and it was recommended to my mom that we don't have any animals because it was felt that having an animal was going to trigger an asthma attack. That proved to not really be true. Mm -hmm. Mine was more emotionally based, but we won't get into that. (laughs) But I never really was too affected by animal allergies, even though I was diagnosed as supposedly having an allergy. I notice now if I'm around certain animals sometimes and I've been petting them and then I go to rub my eyes after, then I can get irritation around my eyes, but I'm not generally allergic from just being around them. Mm -hmm. However, I had this one scenario where I was looking after French bulldogs. There was about five French bulldogs in a household that I was looking after. Oh, that was probably a crazy household. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of energy there. And I had a full-blown allergic reaction with these guys. Mm. For some reason, this particular breed triggered me. And I don't know what it is about them, but I thought I had a cold, like a full-blown cold, because I didn't think it was allergies that was triggering it. But once I wasn't looking after them anymore and was away from them, the symptoms went away. That's interesting. I wonder if it had to do with their grooming habits. Some dogs don't need to be bathed every week or every two weeks. Some some dogs don't get very smelly. Mm -hmm. So maybe they didn't have routine baths or whatever. I'm not sure. Interesting. That's something to keep in mind that, yeah, certain certain animals can cause more of an allergic reaction than other animals. Mm-hmm. Maybe it goes the other way too. Maybe certain humans cause more allergic reactions. <laughs> I'm sure. I am totally sure. Uh- <laughs> oh, that's so funny. All right. So, so what are some of the things that we need to look at as far as allergies in cats? So very similar, they can get something that is called miliary dermatitis or eczema. Mm, Okay. So we've heard of eczema in people. It's kind of like scabby, red, irritated skin. Sometimes it can just be like a bumpy red rash that just itches. Right. Yeah. I knew somebody who had a really bad case of eczema, eczema. I guess it depends on where you live, how you pronounce it, but... um, But her skin just seemed to be inflamed all the time and itchy. But I have also seen some people who have really bad cases and then it gets really scabby because it just, the skin just breaks apart. Those are really bad cases. Mm -hmm. And that can be very debilitating in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So imagine a cat having that. Yeah. And I think with dogs, there might be less in the sense of scabbing and rashes more in the sense of just irritation and wanting to scratch at the area. Mm-hmm. Whereas with cats, it actually affects the skin and you can see the scabbing and the uh, inflammation and everything that's going on. 
and there's going to be missing hair as well. Yeah. And with cats, it typically occurs around their head and their neck. It can be around any part of their body, but it's most commonly around their head and the neck. Whereas with dogs, I think it can be more on any part of their body. I know it's, a, I've seen it affecting their paws around their face, probably legs and different ears, areas belly. Like that. ears. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's more systemic. It seems like in dogs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There was a comment on one site that I saw that, and it kind of, it kind of goes to sort of the attitude of cats. <laughs> <laughs> but could your cat be faking the allergy to get rid of one of the other animals? <laughs> you never know. They're pretty smart. Sometimes I look at these animals and I'm like, are you really an animal? Or are you from another planet just coming in? <laughs> presenting as an animal because you're too smart for your own good (laughs) and they are manipulative little suckers oh they certainly can be i wouldn't put it past them that's for sure (laughs) well you know what i mentioned myself having asthma animals can also develop asthma That can also be another symptom, both in dogs and cats, that is a response to their environment. Mm. So I think asthma has become a lot, I don't know if it's been a lot more common in animals or if it's just more commonly diagnosed. I would probably think- Couldn't really say for sure. Yeah, I would probably think it would be more commonly diagnosed. We've mentioned in other episodes that in respect to the- time span of animals living with humans veterinary sciences is a really young science it's only really been in the mainstream for a few decades so every year we're learning more and more and we're realizing that these animals can actually have things that we humans have so there's more research being in. So I think it's just being diagnosed more often. Mm-hmm. I do know in my experience, I've had cats that have had asthma. The interesting thing is, and I don't know why this is, but when I've had animals with asthma, it seemed to come and go. Like one of the cats that I took care of when he was younger, for two years, I was having to give the cat daily prednisone. And then all of a sudden, nothing Hmm. for 10 years. And then all came back. So it's kind of interesting. And then one cat had no allergies. And then all of a sudden, towards the end of its life, like the last three, four years of its life, it had asthma so bad that he had to be on a nebulizer. I've had several cats now that kind of fluctuated in and out of asthma throughout its lifetime hmm. and not seasonally. Wow. It seemed to be like asthma for a few years and then and no asthma for a few years and then asthma again for a year and then no asthma for four years. It was really weird. Now, I don't know if it's the same with dogs, but. Well, for myself, maybe asthma and animals can also be triggered by other things than an allergic response. True. That could be. You know, for myself, I said it was emotional. So maybe they could also have an emotional response and depending on what's going on in their their situation, maybe sometimes they're going to have a reaction and sometimes they're not. Yeah. They might even fluctuate from different types. Like you could have, you know, dermatological issues and then all of a sudden it goes into a respiratory and then maybe it goes back to I don't know. I mean, I think this is so it's one of those topics that it, is constantly being explored and we just don't know 
all that there is to know. I think this could be a really interesting situation to really implement that health and wellness journal that we keep talking about to not only just track the, you know, the physical things that we see, their habits and their body condition, their energy and all that kind of stuff, but also monitoring their behaviors, what might be their emotions and that, and connecting all of those, especially if they've got some kind of issue like this, because then you might be able to look at it and see, oh, there's some connecting dots here. Mm -hmm. When they have this reaction, this happened or this changed or whatever the case may be, it might actually give a lot of insight. Yeah. And you can keep track of any patterns. Like if they go from having a skin issue to having a respiratory issue, and then maybe having a digestive issue and navigating that and monitoring as far as allergies are concerned, it will definitely give your veterinarian plus yourself a lot of insight on how to treat these things when they come up and when they present themselves. Mm -hmm. Interesting topic. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. So there's different types of allergies. We just talked about Mm -hmm. skin issues, respiratory issues, digestive challenges. What are the main types of allergies that animals can have? The first one is contact allergies. That's basically where you physically come into contact with the contaminant that is going to trigger the allergy. Like possibly pesticides in your yard or something like that. Right. Or even maybe like rubbing up against some plants or something. Okay. Yeah. Then you've got flea allergies. That's a big one Mm -hmm. for a lot of animals. Right. So the animal ends up reacting to the flea bite. You know, all animals do react to a flea bite but usually just in the sense of having itchiness and irritation around that particular area. Yeah, typical of bites. Typical of bites. But when you've got the allergy added onto that, I can't say to, to what extent, but it exacerbates the flea situation. I'm not familiar with dogs so much, but I've seen cats that have actually, like we were talking before, had bald patches where the fleas would like, Typically, fleas sit in places where cats can't get to them. So at the base Mm -hmm. of the tail or at the back of the neck or whatever, where they can't lick. Mm -hmm. And those areas might get really raw and red. Then the fur starts to fall. So you get all red bald patches, Mm -hmm. even at the crook of the arms and the crook of the legs. You'll get a lot of irritation there too. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure dogs probably are the same, but that's what I've noticed in cats. Mm -hmm. And of course, we've got the known one of a food allergy. Mm -hmm. Big one. Yeah. And then we've got bacterial allergies. So when an animal comes into contact with certain bacteria, they can have a reaction to it. So maybe considering areas that might not be that clean. For example, maybe you've got a litter box that you're not cleaning very often. Of course, cat, I don't know if that would happen too much because cats are pretty fastidious and they're not going to go and use a litter box that is not clean enough for them anyways. Not typically anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe there might be a few. Take bedding, for example. If they're lying in the same bed for a year and it's never been washed or cleaned or anything, then bacterial buildup on it and Mm -hmm. they could potentially react to that. Yeah. Be kind of like sleeping in the same bed sheets for a year and not (laughs) never cleaning them. (laughs) 
Yeah. Because you do get mites and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. The last one that you have here on our list called the inhalant allergies. Mm -hmm. Explain that a little bit. So an inhalant allergy is something that the animal is going to take in through their nose. I mean, the contact can be environmental, but the inhalant could also be environmental. When you think of humans who are having an allergic reaction to pollen or something like that, things that are floating around in the air, they're breathing that in. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar with cats and dogs. They're inhaling whatever the allergen is. So not necessarily nature. It could even be chemicals and, and that that they could be reacting to. You never know. Yeah, it could be dust. Yeah. Just like us. Mm-hmm. It could be very simply that. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are some of the other things that animals can have allergic reactions to? I know I've had a cat that was allergic to the saliva of fleas. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what causes the flea allergy in the first place. Probably. Then there's dust mites as well. They're everywhere. <laughs> you can, I don't care how clean you are, you're going to have dust mites. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's just a part of life. <laughs> it's one of those things you got to deal with, but it is a major allergy for humans too. Yes. The best you can do is minimize it by just regularly cleaning. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't really want to go insane and be washing your sheets every single day or you know, washing different things every single day, because that's probably going to be way too much work. (laughs) Yeah. And you're not going to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. It's a part of life. If you live on this planet, you're going to deal with dust mites. I don't care how clean you are, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Animals can also be allergic to feathers, sheep wool, pollens, and grass. Mm. They can also react to mold, fabrics, I mean, we bring in so many different kinds of fabrics into the home with our furniture Mm -hmm. and our clothing and stuff like that. And a lot of fabrics are made with processing. So it may be the material itself that the animal's reacting to, but it could also be the processing and what else gets added to the fabrics. Yeah. A lot of fabrics have fire retardants, dyes, chemicals bleaches. There's an awful lot of stuff that goes into the manufacturing of textiles. Yes. There's very, very little nowadays where it's 100% natural and nothing has been done to it. Yeah. Unless you get it from the sheep, loom it yourself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So there might be some out there, but... But typically, if you're going to go to a retail establishment, you're going to have chemicals and dyes and different cleaners that go into the processing of the fabric. Mm -hmm. And that can be in your toys. It could be in pet products, furnitures, like you said. Even their food. (laughs) Yeah. I think we have a really hard time getting away from chemicals. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of regulations that go into these things that has to be going through this process to be this to, you know, if it's going to be in a home, it's going to be furniture. It has to have fire retardants. There's a lot of regulations, so it can be in everything. And of course, food, there are food colorings, artificial flavors, preservatives, different chemicals to make it last longer. I mean, if you ever looked at the shelf life on your food, there's a reason why that thing lasts 12 months Mm -hmm. because it's got chemicals in it. Yes. And then you go with the cheap stuff. There's a certain percentage of that food that doesn't need to be regulated. So it could be anything from floor cleaners to whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever is in the plant. 
you never know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scary when you think about it and you break that down. Yes. It is what it is. <laughs> and we talked about environmental allergens. There's a variety of environmental allergens out there. You never know what they could react to. Could be seasonal, could be non-seasonal. And depending on where you live, what would be seasonal in one place might be non-seasonal in another place because they have it all year round. Yeah, true. But it's not just necessarily what is added to food. It could be certain food ingredients themselves. Just like we have certain food allergies. I've had two cats that were allergic to chicken. Wow. Yeah. Seems really uncommon, but. Yeah, it does. We humans, not everybody's allergic to chicken, but some people can't have it. Mm -hmm. Some people are allergic to eggs. Personally, I can't have eggs. I can't have gluten. Mm -hmm. Other people can eat whatever the heck they want. The same goes for your animals. Mm -hmm. It took me several years to realize that the allergy that my animal was having was due to chicken. Mm -hmm. Two cats out of all the cats I've had in the last 20 years were allergic to chicken. Hmm. Well, you would think cats and dogs would be able to eat any kind of meat being that they're carnivores. But I guess if you think about it, there's a lot of the meats that are in the foods that are sold in the stores. They're not natural in the wild for them to eat. True. Then, of course, you also have to go in the processing of the food. Because sometimes maybe the chicken that my animals were allergic to, it was just because of the way it was processed. Mm -hmm. Like if I would have gotten organic range-fed chicken and made it myself, maybe they wouldn't be allergic to it. I don't know. I never (laughs) tried that because that was way before I even knew there was such a thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it is something to remember that animals can have food allergies just like we humans. And anything could be a potential allergen. And you can't put an animal in a box. We are all animals, humans and cats and dogs. And our body basically functions the same way. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned that you were allergic to certain breeds over other breeds. But as far as the animals concerned, there are certain breeds that may be more susceptible to allergies. Mm -hmm. Some of these purebred dogs have massive allergies. You get a purebred poodle or a Maltese, maybe they at some point were inbred. Mm -hmm. So certain breeds can be predisposed to certain allergies. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but I kind of think that with the interference that humans have involved themselves in the breeding of these animals, and also with what we feed them and what we expose them to and all of these things, we affect their digestive system, their immune system, and all the different systems in how they work. And some of them maybe don't adjust all that well. Absolutely. It's just my opinion, but. Mine do. I'm right there, right up on that box with you. <laughs> Because having an an animal living in our human world is extremely stressful for them. Mm. The animal doesn't know who to trust, doesn't know whether they're going to be safe, whether they're not. All these things that they're exposed to that they would never be exposed to in the wild. It's just an incredibly stressful world. And yes, they've been a part of our human existence for a long time, but that doesn't make it any easier Mm. because they don't look at the world the way we do. And their natural instincts, it's going to be fight, flight, or freeze Hmm. in all situations. Yeah, they can adapt and they can learn to understand and learn to exist, but doesn't make it less stressful. What we say, you know, put yourself in the animal's shoes, Mm -hmm. try to look at the world through their eyes. And it's very scary for a lot of these animals. They're just adaptable. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) 
I found it interesting to discover that female dogs are apparently more likely to be affected by allergies than male dogs. Really? That's an interesting little tidbit of information. Yeah. So again, I'm not sure what would create that predisposition, but yeah, I don't know. Hmm. It's <laughs> Yeah, that's an interesting concept. I, I never even thought about that. I mean, obviously I know my two cats are allergic to chicken. They were both female. So maybe it's the same with, with cats. I don't know. Their physiology is slightly different. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe they have to, I don't know. I can't even explain it because I don't even know where that would come from. Yeah. There's a lot of information that seems to come from observation, but not a lot of information to explain Mm. why these things happen. At least not at this point. Hmm. Interesting. See, I told you this episode was going to be pretty interesting. I'm learning stuff. We have a lot more coming up in the second half. So stick around and we will be right back. We hope you've been enjoying our show. Our listeners are very important to us and we want to not only give animals a voice, but we want to give you a voice as well. So Miranda and I have created a community on Facebook to help us do just that. We would love for you to join us and let us know what questions and topics you'd like to know more about and what you feel is important to you and your animal. So pop on over to Facebook and search for the Animal Files community. You can join in the conversation so we can all give animals a voice. Human allergies to pet. What are some of the things that we should know? Well, essentially, a human can be allergic to any animal with fur. So they're not going to typically be at least I've never heard of a human being being allergic to a reptile or other kinds of pets that don't have any fur. I think they can also be allergic to birds. Oh yeah. My husband was very allergic to my cockatiel. Mm. I think it was the dust because all birds have a dust, which would be their dander. Right. I always had a dust off the cage and that's what he was allergic to. So he couldn't help me clean the cage. I had to do it all myself Mm. because he'd have to be completely out of the room. Mm. So yeah. Definitely, there are major allergies to birds for humans. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned that the allergen could be caused by dander and saliva, but it can actually come from their urine, their sweat, Mm. or a combination of any of these. Interesting. So I think that when people are cleaning up after their pet, they're not likely going to be doing it with bare hands. Mm -hmm. So coming into contact with urine is probably minimal. However, I suppose it is a possibility if there's an accident on the floor and you don't see it in time and you step in it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you have a sick cat. Yes. Or a sick dog. Sometimes when they are sick, they don't have 100% control of their bowels. True. And their urine. I've been peed on many times because they just couldn't hold it. Mm -hmm. Sweat, of course, is kind of a more common thing, though. Particularly with dogs, because if they have gone for a run or they've been exercising really hard, they're going to be sweating. Or if it's a really hot day, but it's not the same as humans. They don't sweat all over their bodies. Most of their body doesn't actually sweat. It's only really from their paw pads, maybe their nose a bit, and maybe their anal area a little bit, but it's mostly their paw pads. You're not going to have a lot of exposure because they do not sweat all over their body. Yeah. And dogs, when they pant, that's their way of sweating. Right. So we're going to talk about treatments and testing that can be available. 
And this is not just for humans, but it's also for your pets. These are different options that currently exist. The thing with the allergen testing is that even though it can be done, the actual allergen may not be discovered. Mm. So it could end up being very costly if you keep trying to find it. Right. Got you. Therefore, your doctor or your vet may suggest some different treatments depending on the severity. So we talked about asthma and one of the treatments that's available for the asthma. Now that's treating more of the symptom. Well, pretty much all of these are sort of treating more of the symptom because if we don't know what the allergen is, it makes it really difficult to try to remove it. So asthma is typically treated with inhaled anti-inflammatory medications. Yeah, like my cat had prednisone, which was a steroid. So it got rid of the inflammation that was caused by the mm-hmm. asthma. Was that a pill or was that inhaled? I was pill. It was a pill, okay. But the one cat that had to be on a nebulizer that was inhaled. Oh yeah. You can have allergy injections. What this does is it's supposed to help build the tolerance to the allergen and create desensitization. And this could probably be really effective, but it's not a guaranteed result. And it may not get rid of the allergy reaction 100%, but it could potentially minimize it to a much more tolerable level. Mm -hmm. Another common treatment that a lot of people go to for their allergies is antihistamines. Benadryl is a common one. Yes. Baby Benadryl, but don't treat your animals without a vet. Yes. Don't just say, oh, baby Benadryl, that'll work. No, talk to your vet. Because an animal could be allergic to Benadryl. Very true. Any of the treatments we talk about, you should have a discussion with your vet about. Yeah. And just like humans can be allergic to medicines, so can your animals. Mm -hmm. Even if it's for yourself, talk to your doctor first. Even if it's over the counter, it's just generally not a good idea to take whatever. Although I know a lot of people do. Yeah. Not the safest because you can be allergic to something that you're taking. Mm -hmm. Cortisol is another treatment that you can take or give to your animal. There's even immunosuppressive drugs. If you don't already know this, an allergy is being reacted to by the immune system. The immune system is seeing this allergen as the enemy, something that's not supposed to be in the body. And it goes to war with it. Yes. And that's what causes a histamine buildup in your system. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know how allergies work, that's how it works. (laughs) Yes. So it makes sense that an immunosuppressive drug would help stop the immune system from overworking itself. The problem with that is when you do use immunosuppressive drugs, you have to be aware of your own personal environment as far as viruses, because either you or your animal, when they're on an immunosuppressive drug, can get respiratory illnesses very easily because your immune system is not working as it's used to working. Right. So you can pick up things a lot easier. Mm -hmm. It works, but it can open the door to other things. Mm -hmm. The sniffle can turn into pneumonia. Mm -hmm. So just something to be aware of. That's why you want to definitely talk to your vet about all of these things. And while they're on these drugs or on these treatments, keep your journal handy. And if something isn't working the way you expect it to, they can switch you to a different treatment. Mm -hmm. And giving any medication, just in general, more likely the Western medications or the allopathic medications, 
can create their own issues as well, because they're not created to balance the system. They're simply created to deal with whatever the symptom is, but that can create a secondary problem in the body. So my personal feeling is medication of any sort should be more of a last resort if there aren't other treatments that could work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't go for the easy route because it may cause more problems down the road. Mm -hmm. But now we're going to go into some of the more holistic options. Now, these are not things that you should just go behind your vet's back. Well, I mean, generally you can talk to a holistic veterinarian or a veterinarian who is involved with integrative care and works with other holistic practitioners. But again, it's not a good idea to just go to a holistic company that you find online and be like, oh, I heard that such and such is supposed to be good. I'm going to give that a try. Because even though it's holistic, it still has the potential to be harmful if you don't know what you're doing. Absolutely. Some of the options that can be considered and discussed with the appropriate professional. Keyword discussed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's something called nutraceuticals, which essentially is like a supplement. They can consist of things like fish oil, vitamin C, vitamin A, coenzyme Q10, among others. And I know we've mentioned it before in one of our nutritional conversations somewhere way back when, <laughs> that it's not a good idea to just decide to start feeding your animal supplements, regardless of whether it's an allergy or whether it's for some other reason. Don't just simply decide, oh, I think I should give my dog more vitamin C or more vitamin A because it's healthy for them and they'll benefit from getting more of it. Even with supplements, with a lot of them, too much can create toxicity in the body. So you need to know what you're doing. Gotta be careful. Digestive enzymes can potentially be helpful too, especially if it's a food-related allergy. I know for myself, I take, not all the time, but every so often I will take hydrochloric acid, which sounds really intense. <laughs> I know, but it's what is in our stomach. So exactly. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> And you just what, have to want, you want to make sure you use it properly. Right. And like, for me, it was recommended by a naturopath. So I didn't just randomly decide to start taking it. But what she told me was as a human, she said that the acid in the stomach starts to deteriorate as we get older or can start to deteriorate as we get older. And when we've got the reduced acid, we don't break down the food that we eat as easily. And if the food's not being broken down in the stomach properly, then when it gets into the digestive system, you start having issues there because now the intestine is having to deal with food that's not broken down enough. You can get things like leaky gut and all kinds of different digestive issues. And the same goes with animals. They can have that same kind of challenge as well. So when you don't have food being broken down enough, I don't know enough about this, but that could maybe potentially be a cause of an allergic reaction. The body's reacting to things not being quite normal. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that might be one of my problems. Maybe that is the issue might be good for me to call, talk to nutritionists. See, <laughs> <this help? laughs> 
<laughs> it gets a little frustrating when you can't eat things. Yes. Talk to a doctor, talk to a naturopath, talk to a nutritionist and see what is out there to help. Right. And just a side note on that too. I was also told with the reduced hydrochloric acid in the stomach that that is actually what can cause the acid reflux and the indigestion and that. I've heard that. Most people think it's because they've had too much acid and it's actually the opposite. So then we have Chinese and Western herbs. This could potentially be a good combination because often the treatments from the East do focus more on the balance of the body. But again, you need to know what you're doing and making sure that your animal and yourself are getting the right blend or the right treatment. The next treatment is detoxification and glandular therapies, which sounds a little more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but really it's not. It's just basically eating whole foods instead of processed foods. That's one way to detoxify your body because mm -hmm. then your body starts to work the way it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. It definitely can help your body process things better I'm not familiar with glandular therapies, but I know working with your lymphatic glands where that can help your body eliminate things better. Mm -hmm. The best thing for nutrition is to try to stay away from middle aisles as much as possible because that's yeah. basically all processed foods. <laughs> yeah. And every grocery store is the same. So yeah. stay on the outskirts, go to the produce section. <laughs> the frozen food section, but even the frozen food section, you have to look at what you're buying. Yeah. Next, we've got homeopathy and homotoxicology. <laughs> I understand homeopathy, but I'm not familiar with homotoxicology. What this means is that there are small amounts of substances that will mimic or create similar signs to the patient's symptoms or to the disease. So it's not just allergies that this is used for. It's basically creating similar signs and then gently helps to stimulate the natural healing in the body. Mm. So it's yes. another way to balance your system. Yeah. So it works efficiently. Gotcha. And it's probably in a way to maybe expose the body to smaller amounts that maybe the body can handle and develop the appropriate response to it. It's like building antibodies in your body slowly, little by little, so you mm -hmm. process things better. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Then we have acupuncture, which I think most people know what that's all about. You can do the bathing that Victoria mentioned earlier. You could try using air filters. If it's environmental, yeah, then that could help a lot. That's a big one. Yeah, my mom has to use air filters a lot because... She has environmental allergies. We have an air filter that helps remove dander and stuff mm -hmm. like that from the air. Definitely the quickest way to start cleaning your air yeah. within your home. Neither of those will help if it's an environmental allergy that is outside the home. You're limited to what you can do in that situation. Of course, <laughs> the preferred option, which is often not that possible, is the removal of the allergen. Mm, especially if you don't know what it is. Right. If you're pretty sure that it is food related, 
then you can do this kind of testing where you try different foods and you got to pay attention to their main foods as well as their treats and anything else that they might get on top of that. And if you're going to be doing any changing, change only one thing at a time, because if you change too many things, one, your animal may not react well to that, but two, it's going to make it impossible for you to know what the best result is because you could change to a different food and it might have two or three different ingredients from the food you were feeding previously. And then they might do well on it for a little bit because it's a change. And then all of a sudden you might have symptoms coming back again. So then you don't know what were they reacting to in the first food and now what are they reacting to in the second food? I'm a big believer in if you can afford it and if you start them early, foods that have minimal ingredients mm -hmm. so they get used to eating it because some of these foods with all these artificial flavors and colors, they taste like McDonald's to these animals and they don't want to give that up. So if you start them early using simple foods, mm -hmm. then that's what they're used to. With my Maisie, she's been on raw food since she was a kitten. She only knows the raw food, really. Literally, it's just the meat plus like pumpkin seed extract. I mean, there's really nothing else in the, the food. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the vitamins. But there's no preservatives or none of that stuff in it. So it's really easy to pinpoint if she was to come up with an allergy to one of those foods, it'd be easier to figure out what's causing the allergy. Don't do this for your animals, but we can take out a whole bunch of stuff out of our diet and slowly reintroduce things because our body can handle that. A cat and a dog, they have a different digestive systems. So they can't handle that. So don't do that with your animals. You want to do it like Miranda had mentioned, do it slowly and just take out one thing at a time. Us humans, we're a little bit more resilient. So what I did with mine is I just took everything pretty much out of my diet and slowly brought things back and found out that I have five major allergens. I don't eat those things anymore and I'm better off for it. You know, the more simple your foods are, the easier it is to pinpoint, mm -hmm. start them early, mm -hmm. <laughs> have whole food diets. <laughs> so with everything that we have shared with you guys, there just really is no one way or specific way of dealing with allergies. It's going to require an individual approach for each animal, for each human. So like we said, don't just follow what somebody else did. Talk to a professional and get the proper guidance. That's the important part. Whether it's a human professional or human-focused professional or an animal-focused <laughs> professional. Right. Like right. I mean, obviously all your professionals are going to be human, but yeah. <laughs> oh, me and my words. But <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but Go to a professional, whether it's a doctor for your human needs or a doctor for your animal's needs. That's the most important thing. Don't try to navigate this blindly. Get help. Mm -hmm. Bring in the people who can help. Mm -hmm. And that's the safest way to do it. That's the way you're going to make the best and most effective changes. Don't try to do any of this on your own. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of treatments that we talked about that are not going to be healthy to be used long-term. They might help your symptoms to begin with, but if the allergen doesn't go away or the symptoms don't go away and never 
reduces to the point where you can handle it, that's going to be a difficult thing because many of these treatments will suppress and turn off parts of the immune system and the nervous system and will often have side effects. So looking at some of these other holistic options might have better results and may be able to be done on a longer term basis. The medications might be okay for temporary relief and to maybe get some much needed sleep. If you've been sleep deprived or your animal has been sleep deprived for a while, then it would be okay to, to take it for a short period of time, maybe a month or two months or something like that. But you really want to look for something that can be done on a longer term basis. It's like a multi-tiered approach. Start one place and then move to a better, healthier place and try to get that balance. Start first with just alleviating the acute symptoms and then slowly transition. Try to find a new normal without having to have all of those chemicals coming from the medications running through your body because they will cause side effects or something else is going to go. So you've mentioned that you have had your husband, an aunt, and a friend who have dealt with allergy challenges. Mm -hmm. Yep. My husband used to be allergic to dogs for his whole life. He thought that he was just going to have to live with being allergic to dogs. Now, we both have been on a personal development journey. And when my husband first started on his, one of the things that he wanted to focus on is he wanted to become healthier. He deals with environmental allergies and animal allergies. So he really put a lot of effort into figuring all that out. And so we went to not necessarily a therapist, but like a consultant of sorts, a spiritual consultant. And we went through mild hypnosis and he would walk us back to the moment when these allergies started to present themselves. And in my husband's case, what he found out was when he was four years old, he saw a dog get hit by a car. Mm -hmm. And so in his little four-year-old brain, he made this unconscious choice that he was going to be allergic to dogs. So he never had to deal with that type of trauma again. Hmm. So his body created this defense mechanism and that presented as an allergy to dogs. Hmm. As he was going through the exploration of his allergies, he was able to get himself to a point where he is now no longer allergic to dogs. Wow. Which is Quite interesting. So it puts a different layer on top of this topic of allergies and why we have them. Mm -hmm. On the same vein, my aunt was severely allergic to cats, major asthma, mm. where she would be wheezing constantly and it was detrimental to her. We found out, you know, after my husband's experience, we were talking to her, found out that when she was nine, my grandmother got rid of the cat mm. and her kittens. Mm. That was the moment when she realized that she was starting to become allergic to cats. Again, defense mechanism because she didn't want to be hurt again. Mm. Well, guess what? She now has like three cats <laughs> and she has had cats for the last at least 10 years and she hasn't had an issue. Same with my cousin. She now has like nine cats after having years and years and years. I do not know what caused her allergy, 
But I do believe that as far as the building antibodies, the, the small little doses that some of these medications do, right? I believe that people like my cousin is not allergic to her cats. She may still be allergic to somebody else's cats, but she's used to her cats. She's used to the dander of her cats. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I believe she's built up a tolerance. And I think there are certain people who can not be allergic to their own animals, but be allergic to somebody else's animals. Mm -hmm. There's a couple layers there. Mm -hmm. Antibody, energetics, mindset, defense mechanisms. And I've heard that before too, that not just connected to allergies, but I have heard that people can and have manifested various conditions in their body because of some traumatic experience that happened in their childhood. Yeah. It's a, it's a real thing. I can tell you just from my own health, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia back in 1998. So way back when, as I've been exploring my own personal development, I very rarely have any fibromyalgia issues because I realized that my fibromyalgia was caused by trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think allergies are the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's a defense mechanism. So we keep things at a distance. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting what our brains do for us. (laughs) (laughs) They are very, very, very keen on protecting us from trauma. Mm -hmm. And they will present certain things within our body to survive. And I think that's one of it. So it's just another little bit of a interesting level that you can explore if you deal with allergies. Right. And well, if you're not sure how to do that on your own, there are people out there who work with others on that type of thing and can help you navigate and try to figure out where these things could be coming from. I think our bodies are amazing machines and we do an awful lot to protect ourselves. I mean, who knows? Maybe my food allergies are based Mm -hmm. on trauma. I don't know. I haven't Mm -hmm. gotten that far into it. Right now, I'm just healing my body. I've been eating these things for 50 years. So once I heal the damage that I've done over the years, then I can track Mm -hmm. it back and see, okay, is this caused by trauma? Or is this caused by something else? Like my gluten allergy may be not an allergy to wheat, but a allergy to the processing that goes in to wheat. Right. You know, it's just a different level that you can explore. And at the same level, I mentioned antibodies a couple of times here. There is one thing that this is a soapbox. So apologies to any medical professionals that are out there. The one thing that I have seen and kind of annoys me is when pregnant mothers are told by doctors to get rid of their animals and to stop eating certain foods. Now, I get there are certain things like fish. You don't want to be putting that mercury into your system. So definitely, I'm not talking about fish allergies and whatever. If you're pregnant, stay away from fish. Mercury can affect your unborn baby. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doctors who have told women early in their pregnancy to stop eating peanut butter and to get rid of your animals. I have actually heard stories of doctors saying, oh, you're pregnant. You can't have animals in the house. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, okay, you have a cat. Well, these are the precautions you need to take because you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. When you remove things like that from a pregnant mother's environment, the unborn baby 
gets their antibodies from the mother. And if the mother's antibodies go down, then the child's antibodies go down. So when they come out into this world, they are already going to be exposed to all of these things that they've never been. So you're going to have babies allergic to peanut butter and allergic to cats and allergic to dogs and whatever. That is not our natural state. Our natural state building antibodies. That's what our body does. It's one of the amazing miracles of our human bodies. So take the precautions you need. But if a doctor tells you to get rid of all of your animals and stop eating peanut butter, Mm -hmm. get a second opinion and explore that and figure out what is going to be best for you and your body. Mm -hmm. If a child is not going to be growing within you and pulling the antibodies from the mother's system, that baby is not going to be as protected and is going to have immune problems once it comes out into the world. Mm -hmm. That's my soapbox. I think it's wrong and we need to do better. Our bodies are amazing, miracle-making machines, and we should allow it to do what it needs to do to protect those coming after us. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the food, then maybe a choice that could be made is to eat more, again, more whole foods, you know, limit or eliminate the processed foods that you're eating. They're full of chemicals and additives and all of these different things, which could potentially create issues in your unborn child. Absolutely. So if you want to eat peanut butter, go for the natural peanut butter. That's just the peanut butter and oil or peanut butter, oil, and sea salt. Yeah. You're going to be better off for it. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer that the body is much more powerful than we are being told. And we have the choice to create our experience. You don't do it on your own. Make sure you have help, Mm -hmm. but just explore all options. Don't follow one doctor's advice blindly without question, Mm -hmm. because it is your body. It is your unborn baby. It's not the doctor's. So do what you need to do to be proactive. I get it. There's some babies will be born with allergies. That is a thing. I get it but let's set them up for success. Let's give them the best chance at having a healthy immune system. A well-developed immune system. A well-developed immune system. I mean, their immune system still continues to grow and develop. Let's give them a leg up Mm -hmm. and understand that your body is energy. Your thoughts are energy. Food is energy. Everything is energy and energy can be manipulated and used for our benefit. So let's do that. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm getting off my box now because we're about ready to be done with the show. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that's it. That's all we got for you today. Is there any last minute things or should we just say sayonara? Just a reminder that if you have any comments, questions, need some guidance, please reach out to us, the Animal Files podcast at gmail.com, or you can connect with us on our Facebook page, the Animal Files Official, or on our Facebook group, the Animal Files Community. Yes, and we have a website that is theanimalfilespodcast.com. Check it out. We're going to have links of products and companies that we believe in, resources for the health and the safety and the security of your animal. So check that out as well. All right. Have a wonderful week. Bye for now. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.